when I left that that um, that pageant, I had in my heart that I knew it was a great it was a great way to to have a platform immediately. First thing that you really see there is my face, and then and then you realize, okay, um, on Instagram stories or in the captions, this is what I like to talk about. I like to talk about the environment, mental health, or or corporate career, and all these things. And it's it's also exciting to um, have to constantly surprise people that I am more than just what I look like. I feel like. To some extent, those successes aren't mine, and I feel like one day I'm just gonna get found out that those are I did not do that. I and these things are just because I am covering myself up to be someone that I'm not. When you say things like she's she's unattainable or she's not gonna get married, she's gonna die an old maid, these things make it seem like, for example, that marriage is the end goal when it's not for a lot of women. You were listening to Kat Trivino, and this is The Wildcast. Welcome to episode 20 of The Wildcast, this little side project I started during the start of this whole pandemic. And this week, on our 20th, 20th episode, I can't believe it, 20th episode, we are talking to the amazing talented and of course beautiful Kat Trivino about her life. We talk about beauty pageants, we talk about marketing, conservation, and mental health. This is such an important conversation, especially now in this time of the pandemic really, that uh, there is this drive from all of us to be productive, but then there's also time for us to be slow we don't always have to be that productive we should take time to be sad take time to be with our loved ones be forgiving of ourselves that we are in this position and it's okay not to be doing anything it's truly okay and one of the important things we talk about during this whole podcast is that mental health matters for a lot of young professionals now and for everyone really in the Philippines and it's something that is not commonly talked about as well as of course being the boss woman. Kat has been from the very beginning I think the epitome of showing how to be that boss woman. She's a beauty pageant finalist, Mutiana Pilipinas but she can code like no one else. This is Katrivino. Have a listen to our conversation. Okay, so welcome, Kat, to the Wildcast. Uh, thank you very much for coming on my podcast. I've known you, I think, for a few years. I've, I've never yeah. met you in person, I, I think. Know, I know, I've never <laughs> met you too. <laughs> but I've known you for a few years and we've exchanged We've exchanged messages online. Yes. And I think two years ago, you helped me get uh, some Jollibee for the rescue workers and evacuees in the landslide here in Itogon. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. I think I met you, um, well, not in person, but uh, in Globe when I was working with them before. 
Yeah, I was um, e-introduced to you by our CSR team. That's right. That's yeah. right. The uh, the Globe people, we worked with them. Really good people. We worked with them for about six years. Yes. And I think you were with their PR team at the yes, time. Yes, I was. Um, I was. And I've you were never on meaning... any of our Cordy oh, challenges. Like, I, I, I've always been meaning to, but at, like at that, that phase in my life, I was really not the outdoorsy person. It's a complete turnaround now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I did see that you 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 went from being that city person to the outdoor person that yes. you are at the moment. Yes, yes. So, let me start. You've been sort of described as, and and you yourself describe yourself as sort of like the ultimate boss girl. No, your public persona, your social media uh, mm-hmm. persona seems to echo and reinforce this image. So, how different is the real cut? Trevino to to what is actually shown and what you show on social media. Right, right. Um, I would say that for me, I would categorize myself as an introvert, which is possibly the opposite of what someone like you would not categorize me as. I absolutely do not like and I'm fearful of speaking in front of um, large groups of people and also, um, well, speaking in general, opening up and all these things. And I feel that stems from me growing up to be an introvert and, you know, wanting to keep everything to myself. But when I grew up and when I had the training of getting into marketing, eventually PR, digital PR, um, I actually started digital, thinking that I would just be staying at home and just doing things from the computer. I felt mm-hmm. safer that I was just behind the computer. I could be a little more talkative, but then it grew from that. And I realized I had um, an, an excite or, or interest in, in events and all these other things for, at the start when I was starting my PR and marketing work. That's, but, that's sort of unusual, no? To be an introvert and then you go into PR. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of the yeah. opposite. It is, it, is, it is the opposite. But I guess um, it's really stemming kasi from my interest in, in wanting to know more and wanting, and, and wanting to understand people and, and listening to other people and, and learning from that. And it's always been um, sort of my, my motto that if I could, you know, make things a little better, bridge things together, make, um, make communications a little easier for people to, for, you know, information to get to the people that need it. That's sort of something that, that ignited me always to keep going. And it just grew from there. Um, and I always loved challenging myself. I, if mm-hmm. I, if I felt that, you know, um, I had this fear of, of speaking and doing the, doing public talks. I would want to challenge that, and that's sort of where it just started. It just started. Right. And but like, the, there's so many there's so many differences from me at being at home and and seeing me outside. But one thing that is common though is that because at home with with my family, I am the panganay, so I really do have that. Um, I'm the boss, but I kind of have to be aware and know what's going on and, and, and be in control of things. That's, that's the only common thing, possibly. Right. I think maybe it's also your being a panganay sort of comes out in 
in your social media in what you do yeah. i mean i'm also i'm also the eldest in my family and in a way i sort of know what you mean being the being the panganay and being that leader you have to lead your si- siblings and it sort of oozes into a lot of the work that you do as well no yes yes and also you know being i mean to follow up no and being an introvert you sort of started as a beauty contestant in a beauty pageant. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. You you were in the top 10 in the Mutya ng Pilipinas. I yeah. I saw I saw on my research. And and you, also you went far back. <laughs> I went I, I I really went down the rabbit hole. And also I saw someone said that uh you were on their list of people who they wish won yeah. but didn't win or something like that. Yes, yes. And um, you know, be, being being this boss girl, being this uh, feminist, how do you think joining uh, Mutya ng Pilipinas sort of, in a way, launched your your career? You know? And that's how you started. That was really way back. Now you were twenty Mm-mm. years old. And I I feel how like did that go? Oh, oh, I feel like it didn't it didn't started per se. It was just one of those things. Na. Parang, I just wanted to. It's been told to me often because I was tall. I was I was Morena, very Filipina looking. Um, I it it was something that was like said to me so often growing up. You should join beauty contests, and I've always just like put it in in the back of my in, in the back of my head. Like, okay, maybe that's something that I can do. I want to do in the future. I prior to that, but actually, a few years before that, I went into um i tried out for the cabin crew for cebu pacific okay and i got into it also because everybody was like saying oh, you know you could be you could be good for a flight attendant etc and You're the perfect I, I, fit. yeah and and I, it's just me just wanting to dip my toes in in things and see if i like it or not and when i had the opportunity to to do screening for for mutia it was actually it wasn't something so serious it was like me saying like you know i'm just gonna see if i get in i have i had no training whatsoever and i saw when i came in i saw all these girls have these these um it's like a pit crew of of Mm -hmm. people doing hair people doing makeup doing entourage and i was like just in the corner doing things by myself i have no idea what's going on but i did it anyway and i guess what um what drew people to me at that time when they were screening was not I really don't and I still don't think that I had the the best body per se for that but um my my ability to speak and Mm -hmm. I felt and I knew that I, I spoke so well in in when they'd throw me questions where I wouldn't flinch when they'd when they'd ask me tough ones so I was just like Okay, um, I'll see where this goes. And eventually, uh, I learned after like after that day that they, I did get in, and then I would already start my pageant journey in the next week. So I had to squeeze in like months of training within one week, and it was no oh, joke because wow. it was like literally. <laughs> it takes brutal. years, Siva, to to do all of these. At things. this time, I wasn't I wasn't even comfortable like 
wearing a swimsuit without shorts or without something to cover me up. And I, I was not comfortable with, with wearing heels because I felt so awkward when, I was, when I'd be tall. And I was already tall. So I, it was so many things that I had to get over. And when I got in there, there were also, it, it's very catty also. Like, there'd be these girls. Although generally we're, we're all friends now. It's been years. But um, mm. at that time, of course, when you're in the competition, everybody is your everybody's your, your, rival. your rival, exactly. And you know you have to really outbest them. And I felt like I met many times. I at the back of my head, whenever I felt like it, my back was against the wall that I couldn't do it, or I feel like I wasn't my best, I would always tell myself that this is not really what I wanted, naman. I felt like it. I wasn't really into it. It was something that I wanted to try out. But mm-hmm. there's so many things that I, I learned from that. And, you know, there, I, 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 laud, I applaud all these girls that, that constantly push, push, push that envelope and want to, want to be out there. The training is really no joke. And um, it really helps you think on your feet. The, I, the best thing that I took out of that is really the confidence and... Um, the ability or or the, the confidence of me standing up straight despite the heels despite my height because that's always that's that's always been something that that held me back i always felt like i i crouched too little i felt like i always wanted to be um A little in the shorter. background <laughs> yeah yeah and i, I didn't want to stand out i really didn't mm-hmm. want to stand out but and, and when you're in a competition with almost 50 other girls that are all like in it to stand out and you, they want to be the best. They want to show themselves, show that they're, they're the best at what they do and really outshine everyone. You're going to have to really push yourself. So I felt like in a way, that's the thing that's, that's helped me. And, and, you know, I know you're sort of a staunch feminist. You're, you're, you're a very strong woman and knowing, knowing who you are now, um, how did you see that experience? And a lot of people, including myself, I, I see sort of beauty pageants as a little bit exploitative of women. And it's a bit weird that we're still having them in 2020. But <laughs> as as you are um, a product of, of all of this, and I know you have a different perspective maybe and a different respect yeah. for this whole industry and how it yeah. works. And what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I feel like there is a lot of ways that we could improve the whole um, beauty pageant industry as a, like in in general. And we see that now now, now with even with Miss Universe, they they are now looking for more girls with more women with with a platform, with with conviction more than anything. It's not about beauty and and the body anymore. When I joined the beauty pageant industry, it was 10% intelligence and eight, 90% body and face. That's what they'd call it. And, that, and I just always felt that there was something wrong with that because I, I knew I and other girls who were also in the competition with me could offer more. Mm-hmm. And I, when I left, when I left that, that, um, that pageant, I had in my heart that I knew it was a great, it was a great way to, to have a platform immediately, almost immediately. Like right. as soon as you're as soon as you're crowned, you have all these you have all these sponsors, you have all these courtesy calls, you have direct connections to to very important people, 
And it could be a great way to kind of push what you believe in and push your advocacy forward. And that's always what I've thought um, mm-hmm. that would help me, which is what pushed me to, to try it out also. But I always felt like I was uncomfortable with, with the negative things that I also did get to experience in that, in, in that space. I mean, not saying, not talking about Mutiana and Filipinas directly, but generally with most if not all beauty pageants, there's always this favoritism. There's always this mm-hmm. this this degree of still kind of um exp- to your words exploiting or sexualizing um woman, and it's it's seeing them as just like lining them up and and judging them according to how they look, which is not supposed to be the case anymore. Exactly. But um, if it were a little, if it were a little fairer, if if we were to judge on also their substance. I think that would uh, the mix of 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 beauty, which is also uh, very subjective, and 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 the brains or the or the conviction that goes along with it. That could be a good way to to serve as a good example, even for young girls who also want to be just as how do you say it. As, um, as basically they're they're the leaders they're the um, you know they're the role models yeah, for all yeah, of these yeah, young yeah. girls yeah. yes just as um i guess it's it, the word is not popular but like to have the same platform as all these beauty queens mm-hmm. it's you know? it's really interesting that you mentioned platforms no and i think this is something that i've seen in the last maybe two miss universe i, I don't really I know it's a big thing here in the Philippines, but I don't yeah. follow it. I, I do follow what they do afterwards. Um, like, you know, Pia Wurzbach and, and Katriona Grade. They seem to have their own sort of voice, their own platform, which sort of winning uh, winning the, the pageant yeah. gives them, like you said, it gives them this platform. And maybe they're the start of, of the change in this type of industry in the parang you can't, you know, you can't just mess with us or you can't sexualize our bodies. Um, exactly. Exactly. And uh, and I think, like, for you, uh, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but finishing in the top 10 also gave you a platform in some way, didn't it? Uh, I feel like it, it just... <clears throat> you know what? To be very honest, when I finished that and, you know, um, it was it was not publicized naman in in a large scale as much as a binibini or a miss universe but like people in my not in my inner circle and also in my close friend circle um started to put me on that um on that circle like oh that she's the pageant girl she she joined this she was top 10 etc and um it it just gave me it just gave me some it just gave them something else to to remember me by, and even when I would um, get interviewed for example for another job or for for things like these, this is something that gets brought up because it is something mm-hmm. of interest. Like it's it's so, it's something important or pivotal that probably happened in your life that has probably shaped you, and it's it's nice to have something like that. It's nice to have a background that's also just as exciting and and as um colorful as what i've I've experienced with with mutia 
Oh, so, definitely. Definitely. So more it's, than, it's something, no? Exactly. So more than anything, it's it's given me that. It's it's given me um, another point of interest. For so when I meet someone or when I when I do all these things like in interviews or when people do background checks on me, they they see that. And it's not something that I shy away from because it's something that I experience and I and I really enjoy it. Right. Because I remember when, when the, the team from Globe first introduced you to me, yeah. they said that you were a Mutiana Pilipinas. Parang that they led with that and then started talking about your work and yeah, everything yeah. else. So parang, I, I'm sure that that happens to you a lot. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, you know, even with even with um, social media, for example, I mean, the first thing that you really see there is my face. And then... And, then you realize, okay, um, on Instagram stories or in the captions, this is what I like to talk about. I like to talk about the environment, mental health, or or corporate career, and all these things. And it's it's also exciting to um, have to constantly surprise people that I am more than just what I look like, or I am more than just this or that. Um, I am someone with 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 substance and have something to say and it's it's a good feeling and so you know leading from this is do you actually get i'm sure you get judged a lot for how you look (laughs) uh people lead with that oh she's a pretty face and she's probably that's it you know she's that pretty face on social media and that's how you judge that's how they think of you and you, I'm sure you've had a lot of experience you can share about this. Yeah, um, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's it's unfortunate because you know obviously, very, to some extent, it has. I have benefited from it, but um, there have been a lot of a lot of times that that people don't like to see me more than just what they see me. They don't want to get to know me because they think that. Okay, beauty queen. They already have their stereotypes or their biases, and this is all that she is. And it's sad because there are also a lot of girls that are like that that have that are as strong-willed or have so much things to say, but don't mm-hmm. get the chance to because they're automatically judged for how they look. And I will not deny that you know there are there are some things that are that. That I have benefit that have benefited me when when it came to looks like okay um she's more, it does make things easier sometimes like it opens yeah. doors yeah and and I've I've been told that like, okay because point blank you're more marketable than this other person who also has the same thing to say and I you want to be judged fairly and you want to be you want to be judged based on on the quality of your work more than your looks but and it's unfortunate that that. That's how the world works, but I, I can feel that this is like a constant struggle with you. you know, for every job you've had, for every interview, or even on social media when people comment, um, that automatically you want them to look at you past, you know, the pretty face on social media, and right. you, you, it's so hard to communicate that, isn't it? Right, right. Um, so in the past, I, I. And I've learned from this. I, I, I played on, on looks a lot. I played on, on um, how I looked like to, to get the attention and to get my message across. And, and I've shifted. From, from there, I've, I've shifted because I would get messages. I'd get, I'd get comments from 
from a lot of people and even girls that look up to me that that wish that that if they looked if they just looked a certain way they would also get the same privilege or the same benefits as I did and that's not the message that I wanted to to share with them so I have since then shifted my my messaging to okay less less um less of the bikini photos or the pageant looking photos more of okay me um going out smart boss girls yeah (laughs) yeah and if that's a that's a better and more um attainable and also admirable um I would say, yeah, it's a better it's a better thing to aim for, for me. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And also, as as for other people, no, I mean, not a lot of people have had the background that you've had, no, going through Mutiana Pilipinas and and getting through all these experiences, and showing them that this is sort of an attainable goal is something that possibly is, uh, I mean, it's better for for everyone essentially. Yeah, when I when. I left Mutya and they, I did see that those, those, those messages and even that blog telling me that I should join again. I did seriously consider it. I was actually training already. I was actually already going to train for, for Binibini. And then, which is the road to Miss Universe. But um, I thought about it a lot. And it's something that, that I constantly you know, sought, sought advice for, from, from friends, from family, even through prayers. And, and I... And I thought about what I really wanted. And for me, if it was only to get a platform, I, f- I felt strongly that it was something that I could also achieve on my own without having to, to go through who, this whole, the whole pageantry. And you so, have. You've, yes. you've created this whole <laughs> platform. Um, you've had this... You've had your blog, which is surprising that you you actually update your blog up to I mean last year or I yeah think, I, 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 I'm I'm set I'm actually it's it's interesting you mentioned that I'm set to actually change it next week because I really oh, want okay. to yeah I want to remove now all the the unimportant ones just talk about my journey now and talk about um, how to achieve and 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 work towards more attainable and aspiring goals. Yeah, it's interesting that you actually still keep a blog in this time, no? A lot of people have just shifted to just posting things on Instagram or Facebook, yeah. but you actually take the time to write out your thoughts on a blog. And this is something I think that's lost on a lot of a lot of people now, no, in this generation. This is true. This is true. I'm I really love writing and it's also something that people also don't see it. And apparently, okay, uh, she also writes well, apparently. <laughs> but you know, most of the ones that I've wrote were, were based off experiences or feelings. But, you know, um, it's, it's something that, that I also honed when I also joined as a writer for a fashion magazine. So okay. I was, in, I was in a Mega magazine for about... Oh, Mega magazine. Okay. Yeah, I was in Mega magazine for about two years. This is before Globe. Prior to joining Globe, yes. And and this sort of honed your 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 write, writing and and your yeah. fashion sense, I suppose. <laughs> Mega is so one of the on... biggest oh, fashion magazines, right? Yes, and I I highly doubt the fashion sense because I still kind of live with the motto of whatever is on top and whatever is comfortable today. That's what I'm gonna wear. I don't. 
think so much on this list. Oh, that's power. my motto, which is why I only right? recycle the top like five pieces exactly, on my closet. Exactly. I'm looking to downsize very soon because I have realized and this quarantine has made me realize that I don't have so much house clothes. Like I was oh. only I was only um in circle like rotating a couple of shirts and it's it I didn't like it. I was just like, okay, I don't have clothes anymore. It's all these fun, fun out clothes. And with so I, I don't think I honed so much of a fashion sense in, in Mega. Um, I don't consider myself a fashion girl compared to the other amazing, amazing women that work there and women and men that work there. But um, I did get to hone my writing a lot. I, I'm lucky to have had been mentored by wonderful writers who are my boss, mm-hmm. were my bosses at the time as well. Okay. Um, speaking of the, you know, like... Uh people misjudging you i i saw your ford commercial yes um the driving commercial and i saw some of the comments there's really interesting you know my comments uh and it's mostly guys yeah. parang, oh you know she's like a 10 uh unattainable 10 yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. or uh she's like this she's super privileged which is why she's been able to do all of these yes, things yes. or she's like the, the hard to get person well, how do you respond to all of these yeah. things um so there was a lot of that actually at first when i was reading it um i i would see them i was i would see the views come up and and if you watch you watch the video it was me just generally talking about the things that i loved and it was diving it was doing jujitsu it was go. Uh, it was driving, and also, of course, work. And when I started reading the comments about how they were saying that that whatever I was doing was because of my privilege, and it was, and that the fact that I said that I I work hard and I and I and I get what I want because of my hard work makes me hard well hard to to be a girlfriend or make me makes me hard to partner with or be in a relationship with at first i didn't mind it but up and when it when it reached a million views i was like okay hold on um i don't want other girls watching this video and seeing these comments and thinking that i let it pass so Mm -hmm. i I started responding to some and then I ended up doing putting everything on the blog and I said, okay, one by one, I am going to address these. First of all, I do, I do acknowledge my privilege. I know that, you know, there are things that, that I have, I have blessed with and I'm very, very thankful for, but there's also, you don't know me. There are so many things that I fought so hard to, to get in order to get here. And I said it in such in and and responded to these in such a way that I want to also I want to also educate them about like you know this is these are things that are perpetuating um the kind of thinking we have on on women and when you say things like she's she's unattainable or she's not going to get married she's going to die an old maid these things Make it seem like, for example, that marriage is the end goal when it's not for a lot of women. And you shouldn't be judging them based on their ability to hold the relationship or hold, hold or get married. Or, you know, if they're, 
if they're emasculating you or if you feel like they're they're doing better, they're doing manly things, then why don't you step your game up? It's it's not I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this to I, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for for what makes me feel good and what makes me feel confident. Right. And I want it's other 2020, girls, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I want other girls to read that and feel that, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can reach your goal. You don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Don't let anybody say that you can't do this because you're a girl or or because of the fear that you won't get married. Um, you do it anyway, and the right person will will be will find its way to you. The right person at your level, you don't have to keep you don't have to settle for less. And mm-hmm. the best thing that I got out of I, I wanted to continue and keep doing it, keep talking about, um, keep fighting these these trolls. But I stopped when I received I received a one one message from a dad. And he replied to okay. Yeah, and he replied to my story because I shared the my responses in the store in my Instagram stories as well. I, I a dad replied and it was a really long message. But long story short, he just said Keep doing what you're doing. I I hope and pray my daughter grows up like you. Wow! And I wow. was like, oh my god, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do, and I'm really glad also that he spoke that as a he spoke as a father. It's easy to say that as a mom, like, oh, I, I want I want my daughter to grow up like you because I also experience the same things. But if a dad says that and understands. Oh, and understands that that this is where his daughter he wants his daughter to go this is the road or the path that he wants his daughter to go then it, it makes it all the more meaningful because then they men there are also men that understand and see your point of view and it's it's exactly. so heartwarming well yeah you you created the platform and it it seems to be working no parang you didn't win like the so. ng Pilipinas, but you have this platform now. I mean, if it's Instagram, your blog, your Facebook page, um, mm-hmm. I think you have a YouTube channel as well, which which people probably not a not not as not not heavily 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 um, updated. Yeah, but I I try I try my best. There's so many things going on. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you're doing so many things, cause <laughs> you're you're, right. you're wearing like three or four hats all the time, and and this is like you're 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 shuffling between all of these things, no? Right, right. I don't recommend it though. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I think I you can like... do it while you're while you're young. At some point, you're probably going to focus on on one thing, and you right. find your passion. But right. while, like for me, when I was. Well, I, when I was about your age, um, <laughs> you're you're what twenty eight now or twenty nine? Twenty eight. I'm twenty eight. Yeah. Right. And and I remember, you know, I was doing multiple things as well. And I think it's really beneficial, you know, to to be experiencing all of these things because they all sort of, um, they all everything benefits from everything else. Essentially, yes. your your yes. experiences in one thing benefits your work in the other, and and. I've found throughout my career and whatever work I've been doing that all my experiences sort of inform other things. So if I'm a specialist only in one thing, I only know that thing. But now I all the experiences I've had over the years sort of feed into 
into all of the different things that I do. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. And I, that's exactly what I, I meant when um, you were talking to me about, about the pageant thing. And while it may not have given me that, that platform or that win per se, there are so many lessons or things and, and the confidence that I gained from from that experience that has led me to this. And um, I have always told um, people when they would ask me about, I guess, career advice and, and um, for uh, People or kids that are, are graduating would ask me about, okay, how does it, what does it take to get to um, your career path or to get to where you are now? And I've always said that it's, it's, we tend to, we tend to be the um, master of one thing. We are, generations have trained us to be focusing on this, just one, this one thing. And it's, millennials have been given such flack for like, being jumping from one thing to another but it's great to have these varied experiences being the jack of all trades and sort of having one foot in dipped in 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 varied kinds of things like for example when i before i graduated i actually i i wasn't so into asking my parents for money i wouldn't ask for allowance and you're not from Manila, no? Tama ba? I'm from, yeah, I'm from Santa Rosa, Laguna. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for allowance. We're, we're a family, we're a group, uh, we're siblings na, we're five. And it's, it's, I felt like I didn't want to be a burden being panganay. So I wanted to find my own way to make money. And I was 17 at that time when I was graduating. Wait, you graduated, uh, graduated at 17? I graduated at 18, technically. Wow, that's really, year. really young. Were you, yeah. were you advanced or? I I accelerated a couple of years. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> but when I was a kid, uh, I think I somehow got lost in in the no, in I got in a phase in high school mm. and in college. <laughs> just like, right. It just fizzled out from there. Um, okay, sorry, I, 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 I interrupted it, you. It's okay. It's okay. Right. So I, I wanted so bad to earn my own money so i tr- i started dabbling into digital and at this time it was the height of of the multiply and friendster and all these things and you wanted you know these things about um doing your own codes to make your page look great and then so i started learning html and it started getting really deep from there um from the basic of html i started getting into very heavy coding css wow. javascript python and programming, and I was, what, what was my course? I was com- communication arts. And it became so heavy that I started being friends with professors of the comm sci department. And i just sit in and listen. And they'd be like, oh, all right, man. come together, join us. And from there, I started taking in various um, little clients, little businesses that I said, okay, I'm gonna, I can help you do a basic website. And I would do that. I'd get, I'd get clients every now and then. And then my parents would constantly be shocked. They're like, where are you getting all this money? It's like, oh, it's okay. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just coding websites. And from there, I grew up thinking that, okay, I, it's, it's so easy. I, I pick up on these things easily. And I like reading and I like learning. And I'd, I'd have this skill of, of knowing how to code and knowing how to do websites as, as uh, on my resume. And it complete, it also is an added, like a one up 
towards everybody else who was also applying oh, definitely. the same thing. <laughs> how many right? PR practitioners know how to code? Exactly. And then from, from there, I also knew how to, uh, how to do graphic design. Um, I knew how to do video. There was a, a moment in time when I also did animations and stuff. I still do a bit. And all of these things just, make, just made me this sort of one-stop shop that mm-hmm. um, they didn't need to hire extra person anymore to do graphics. They didn't need to hire extra person anymore. And they just put it under me and they'd save, they'd save a hefty amount of money, and, which is good for the company. And um, it wasn't, I, just, I felt like that's always been my one-up. I was just, I was just sort of um, constantly building myself and improving myself to kind of become this whole package. And it's helped me from the very start to when I started started getting into getting into my first few jobs in my career up until now when I got into the NGO work and also my own business. Oh, wow. So you yeah. Know, I, you know, I'm I'm reading this book now. It's called Range. And it talks mm-hmm. about exactly what you're talking about. No parang that the best performers out there try many things before they specialize in the one thing. And, and yeah. it basically everything informs that one thing. And that's why they're really good at what they do. And, and maybe for you, it's the, the PR work and your NGO work now. And yeah, you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're like a super girl. No? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. I get super tired also, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, Something that that I really take pride in, and and if there's anything that like gr- I want like girls like me or people in general that are just trying to figure out where they where they go, where's the next step for them, is just to to constantly update yourself, educate yourself, try new things because you'll never know where it leads you, and you'll never mm. know if you don't try, right? Right, right, definitely, and you know you're you're. You were in charge of creating the whole Quentong Jollibee campaign um, mm-hmm. when you when you got into Jollibee, mm-hmm. and that was such a big success, di ba? Parang every everyone else started copying what you did, <laughs> essentially. Parang yeah. everybody had their own version of their yeah. Quentong Jollibee, di ba? So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about that whole process of how you actually came up with that? Yeah, so I came into to Jollibee from Globe. Um, I was doing digital PR before with Globe, and then um, I got offered to take care of product PR and brand love for Jollibee. At that time, it was a very, very new role because they didn't have someone that was solely focused on, on the product side of PR. And also, they have this new whole new department that wanted to focus on the engagement aspect of the brand brand love which is mm-hmm. solely just to make pe- more people love and remember the brand period and it's like brand equity no? yeah yeah exactly those were my kpis just to build brand equity and from there um i came in they actually already had uh, a quantum jolly concept but it was it was very rough. It was um, generally about stories of Jollibee, stories within Jollibee, within the Jollibee store, told by various people. It wasn't a love story. It wasn't there wasn't um, there wasn't a heavy lesson to it. It was just relatable stories. Like the first three stories that came out when I, it was when when I joined in twenty sixteen was 
a story of a store manager, a story of someone who, a kid who got lost that, that um, was told by his mother that, you know, if you get lost, just go to Jollibee always because you'll find the Jollibee anywhere. So the mom would always know where to go. And then, the, and then so on and so forth. So um, it started off from that. And then uh, when I came in, we started working on um, Red Letter Day occasions. So we started because Jollibee is known for its family orient, orientedness. And we, we worked on, all right, um, lessons learned during Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Grandparents' Day. And we were, were constantly evolving into like, and um, finding these stories from social media, from friends and family about um, pivotal moments in their life that had something to do with Jollibee because everybody has a kwentong Jollibee. There must have been, if you're a Filipino, you, there oh, must yeah, have been one sure. moment everybody in your life. Everybody has been to Jollibee. Exactly. And there must have been one moment in your life that's super memorable that, you, that, that happened in Jollibee or happened with the product. And... From that truth or from that who got, we say, um, we started crafting all these stories. And it became um, such, a, such a great formula from, from Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Grandparents' Day that we decided to up the ante when it came to Valentine's Day. We said, okay, um, competition or and other brands are hyping valentine's day as something that was purely for couples you know and if you're not a couple this celebration is not for you but the concept of valentine's day is about love and it's about general love and everybody experiences different kinds of love it's not always the typecast girlfriend boyfriend mag-asawa and and all these things and so we started conceptualizing the varied kinds of love. And from the three um, viral stories that you know today, there is now the story of the, the, the young love with, with Crush and the burger. Mm-hmm. There's one with the story of, of the family with date, with the dad. And then there's another about uh, a story of of. of unconditional love with the guy that was friend zoned and although people didn't see that come across as like oh this is a story about unconditional love etc it was something hard hitting because everybody experiences being friend zoned and the tr- twist was great for all those three videos like you don't didn't know what to expect um right we we hit it off immediately thinking knowing <laughs> and realizing that that there is still another level of, of storytelling that we can do when it comes to advertising in, in the Philippines and also about Jollibee in general. So mm-hmm. what, we, what we did when prior to, to conceptualizing all of those is we'd have these, these meetings called Hugot Sessions and they would um, be timed almost near the end, uh, at the end of the day because we would always end up crying. Really? Yeah. So we talk about these stories and we talk about the truths and we we learn from each other about, oh, um, this is the truth to that and this is how it made me feel. This is how it related to me. And to, very, to tell you honestly, um, the story of, of, of date, of the father, of the father dying is, some, is a concept that I also help 
um, create because and is so close to my heart because at that time I also had some tension within um, the family relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So that was um, all of those were really true to life stories that were 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 birthed from from nights of crying in the office and it was just it was so the are best these, these stories of, are they your stories like you and your team there is these one that um they're um they're varied so there are stories mm-hmm. from within the team there are stories from social media that mm-hmm. we get from from people sometimes when after that viral that viral video those viral videos hit um we started getting the quote-unquote entries although we didn't ask okay. for it people would email us and message us or even leave comments about their stories within within Jollibee hoping it would get picked up um but there was and there is one story within Quentin Jollibee that's purely mine and it's oh, called really? Status. Oh. yeah it was in 2018 okay 2018, I think. yeah 2018 or 2019 I think it's and, and you're you're sort of comfortable sharing your story basically with the entire country <gasps> Oh, uh, you know what? I wasn't. I I didn't want to talk about it because when they were we were talking about like okay, what else haven't we covered? Um, it was the year after the whole viral thing happened, and we were like, we need to to we need to think of something stronger and more relevant. And at that time, we didn't have a story about um, people who were single, and. Mm-hmm. The whole team. Well, I was. I was obviously like the youngest in the team. Everybody was was either with with a family already, or they were they they were not millennials anymore for sure. But <laughs> they were they they looked at me during the meeting and they were like, and I they knew very well that I was at the time um, not in a relationship and very much single if there is a very very single there's a, that was me and okay <laughs> i and they knew that and they were like Kat, what's your story and i was like i would rather not say because i i wasn't very proud of it i wasn't very proud of um despite all these accomplishments and all the things that i have done i felt like okay um relationship wise i don't feel like i'm doing so great in that department it's not it's not like i I pressured myself into getting into a relationship. It was just that um, I knew that I knew that I wasn't doing great at it. It wasn't something that like I felt like oh I had a great love life. So when they told me to share my story about it, I was I was quite uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. so I said to them, "You know what? I'm I'm not gonna say it in this meeting. I'm gonna write a blog." I'm going to write a blog. I'm not going to publish it, but I'm going to email it to you guys. And I wrote the blog and I actually published it not after when I got comfortable, but I wrote it and I sent, to, I sent it to them. And the next day they, they called back and they said that like, I, we don't have to change anything. Like this, the way you wrote it is the exact script. Like wow. that's it, period. And I was like, Okay, um, but can you change my name? They freaking changed my name, but they changed. They didn't change it per se. They just changed the spelling. So instead of a C, it was a K. 
I was like, great job, guys. This is way to, way to go in trying to hide it. That's This is okay. Sige. But um, they, they, they made it and they said that parang nung una, they said, but you, what's the ending? What's the ending of your story? And I'm like, I don't know. Because the story, and if, if you want to, you can watch it after this, the, the story is about this girl who's just constantly just trying to, to like, go on date after date and, and trying to, and constantly putting herself down up until she couldn't, she couldn't take it anymore and realizing that, okay, wait a minute. Um, I, this, the, the love that I'm looking for is everywhere. It's cheesy, but it happened. It really happened. And it, I felt like at that time when they were asking me, so what's the ending? Do you, do you get a boyfriend in the end? Do you want us to give you a boyfriend in the end in the story? Kahit na in the story na lang. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know what? No. I feel like if you're going to stick by a story about, about someone who's found love in, in, in friends and in family, then let's stick by that. But I want the ending to be more of um, me figure uh, the, the the lead figure out, for figuring out and, and knowing her worth and and realizing that you know I don't have to keep searching I don't have to keep to keep pressuring myself to get into into a relationship um, mm-hmm. when it's not there I'm not gonna force it because it's only going to make me um, sad so I'll let it be and just appreciate people who are giving me the same kind of love that I'm that I didn't realize in the in the start. So uh-huh. when they published that, um my my boss was was not subtle at all in saying that it was about me. I <laughs> vehemently wanted to like blur out my name, but like, okay, sige, publish, say it, it's about me. And there were so many people that messaged me about it and then felt that like when I read the they comments about the story, they were like, this is me. They were, they were saying that mm-hmm. this is me and they would tag their girlfriends, they would tag their friends, their family, their parents. And they to, to hear and see that there's, there's people that are just like me and relate to me and are, and are inspired by what came out of that. I felt like, you know, when we said earlier about like all these things ha- being connected, even our skills, even our experiences are all connected. My pain has found its purpose in, and it, it just so happened. It, it became a viral sensation. So it was great. Right. So for an introvert, you share a lot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a couple of years of, um, it's a couple of years of, of practice. There and and now the, yeah. Now that uh, we have this pandemic, how uh, how has Jollibee's marketing sort of adapted to it? How have you changed the strategy? Um, obviously, you need to do something different now. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm I'm leading that per se. Um, we have amazing leaders in in the Jollibee team that are in charge of that. I'm sort of just right now. I'm just as clueless as the next person, but I am um, I am doing what I can to to help them um, shift to to the digital space more. You know, um, try to figure out new ways of doing things because in the past, for for PR, for example, we relied heavily on 
on on ground events on um because Jollibee at the end of the day um is very well loved by the CD market and and there has to be ways of reaching them that's not always digital so that's right that's what we're that's what we're trying to figure out um and it's it's been a challenge and it is and I'm sure it's a challenge for a lot of businesses but oh, for um, sure no yeah so um, I I that's something we're still working on I will let you know as soon as we have figured it out <laughs> right okay. now we're we're still um, we're still learning and as we go along but but so far it's been good and yeah. let's talk about your other passions and your other projects. Now, you you work with Planet Cora, which is yeah. which is sort of a marine conservation NGO. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's you, actually and, yeah, it's actually an environmental and human welfare NGO. Okay. And our our main focus is of course uh, not only not only environmental and human welfare, but also um, giving giving. Uh, people generally that power or empowering the youth and and j- basically everybody to to do what they can because you when when in the past and and maybe even sometimes now when you think of NGOs or when you think of when you think of um, all these organizations these charitable organizations or ways to volunteer the automatic question is am I qualified to to do it am I Mm-hmm. I don't have the volunteer time, the like the the hours. I don't have the hours put in. I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about environmentalism. Why should I start now? And that's the number one roadblock that that people should get over when they start their journey to to volunteering or to doing good work in general. So Definitely, that's something that we experience as well with our work. And right. there's sort of that barrier to entry. Right. Because you have that fear that I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing, and and I I felt that also. Um, I started off um, when I was also reeled into scuba diving, and mm-hmm. I started off doing it just for fun. And one day, one of my one of my friends decided to to invite me to a coastal a cleanup, a dive cleanup. And it was my very first dive cleanup, and we were diving in Batangas, and it was near this this community. And when we dove, oh my goodness, it was so dirty. Um, There's lots of diapers, feminine napkins, um, gadgets, old phones, thirty three tens, GoPros, everything you name it. Wow! And <laughs> we filled up sacks and sacks of of trash, and we we saw a lot of dead fish, dead marine animals, dead corals. And it just felt so disheartening because I've been to the more touristy places. I've been to wonderful, amazing dive sites in the Philippines and even globally. And, you know, um, knowing at that time, the only thing that I knew was that the Philippines is the, the, the center of the coral triangle. We are the, at the heart of marine biodiversity and yet we take all of these things for granted. It just feels it just feels like I wish I could do more. And so mm-hmm. I reached out to Antoinette Toss. She's the founder of Cora. At that time she was oh, just wow. starting off. The celebrity, she, right? Yes, she's the founder. And she said I I asked her like 
I want to volunteer. I don't care what it what it takes. Just just make me be part of it. I wanna I I wanna know. I wanna learn more. And she started inviting me to all these cleanups and to to all her talks and all of these things. And she has made my journey um, entering to environmentalism and entering to become what she calls a planeteer um, very eye opening and also comfortable. It was not. It was overwhelming sometimes, but it was something that I was always eager to learn. And I, I mm. want to have to give everybody else that kind of journey as well. Because there's only the only way that we can get through um, this whole issue of, of climate change, of, of, of pollution, of, of cleaning out the, the oceans, is if everybody does it together. It doesn't matter definitely, if you definitely. do it badly, just as long as you start. And... I feel like that's always been the push for for Cora as well. So Cora has uh, the planet, the the ocean and environmental work. We also we do we used to do monthly cleanups by Las Piñas Paranaque, and then right. I I saw you yeah. were with Ag I think at some point. Um, Ag Sanyo, yeah. Yes, yeah. He's yes. my next episode on Wednesday. Oh shoots. <laughs> She's he's amazing. He, he um, is. He is. What he did with us was from the marine debris that col- that we collected. He made it into a sculpture. It was so nice, and it's it's so cool to be working with an artist like him because you see how he also has gotten to merge his passion with something that he truly believes in. And if that's if there's anything that we want to convey is that you know no matter where which point where you are in life what skill do you have there's always a way to contribute or to bring it back to a community we have mm-hmm. so many volunteers that are teachers are our, our grade school teachers and how they give back to the community is also is by teaching or instilling in in their students proper ways of recycling and all, all these little things that make mm-hmm. such big impacts yeah it's really interesting how you you talk about sort of popularizing the movement, no? And I talked yeah. to AG about the same thing, and and one of the things that both of us we've been working in this field for a long time, we feel that for every job that we do, there's sort of a hundred thousand other people doing the opposite of what we're doing, and I'm sure you feel the same way, no? That 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 happens, and yeah. one of the things that AG said to me, which was very sort of really struck me was that um, for for instance for every hundred thousand volunteers he gets for his his dolphin dolphins love freedom movement the the sea world show sort of covers that number in like three days or four days so it's really important for us to sort of mainstream this whole movement so that uh-huh. more people more common people will be able to to join and to and to really be a part of this this whole environmental movement, it can't be just people like us. It can't be just people who have the time, but everyone, like you say, you no know, teachers, students, whoever. Oh, there's um, a lot of struggle with people that, like I said, when 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 they started, there's this roadblock that makes them feel like you know, if I if I start, I have to know everything about it. Like, for example, um, the, one of the greatest, uh, I guess, 
um, how do you say it, trends that has ever to come out of this whole environmentalism um, journey. It was when people started getting rid of, of um, straws and people were just saying, generally saying no to straws and wanting to bring their own tumbler. That's why there's the rise of all these really cool and hip um, in, insulated tumblers and all, your hydro flasks and everything. And there would be people that are hardcore environmentalists that instead of, you know, welcoming, instead of welcoming these, I would say, newbies to the movement, they would start start fighting with this, these people. Um, I've seen a, that. I've seen a, that. It's very toxic. Exactly. It's like a di- different degree of wokeness that, you know, um, if, for example, they say, they say, um, oh, um, I'm selling metal straws. You'd have an envi- uh, one very staunch environmentalist say, you know, the straws are made from from this element or, or the, from this from this manufacturing. Right. They got thing. the it's, mining company exactly. and all of that. <laughs> and, you know, it takes it takes X amount of water to produce one metal straw, which is so much more. It's it's more right. um, harmful than producing a plastic straw. I know many of these people. Exactly, and you're like. <laughs> Okay, so what do you want these people to do? Um, it is great to, that you know there are people that are constantly you know challenging. I would I would like to say it as challenging instead of threatening um, these environmentalists to these new environmentalists to want to learn more and to want to do more and be more aware of of how their purchase or how their actions contribute in the grand scheme of things, but. To some extent, you have to know that people are always like learning. They're always looking to concentrate. It's a whole process. No, exactly. I mean, I didn't start the way I am now and neither did you. Exactly. We have to look at it as a process that people go through. And we have to help people, sort of shepherd people through that. Exactly. Exactly. So I, that's that's my fear. Like, not... It, it, um, if it's not about the those people that are doing the opposite, it's the people on the other end that are sort of extremists in a way. And there's really nothing wrong with with being absolutely like open to all these learnings and all these things. But you know, don't shut the door for people who want to start. Exactly, definitely. Def- that that's been a problem I've I've had to grapple with. With I mean, a lot of my friends are are like what you say, you know, parang toxic environmentalists who who will parang oh uh you know metal straw just you know just drink from the cup like we're gonna mug straw all together you know all of these things and and it really dissuades all of these people who would necessarily come into the movement and and work with you rather than parang ah oh wag na lang i'll just use you know i'll just use a plastic straw or whatever exactly and then they start thinking about you know what i'm gonna I'm not going to live to be 100 years. I won't see the effects. It won't affect me. And that's, that's also a, a sad way when, when you're trying to you know, make the world a better place for the generations to come. It's just right. a it's, it's a very difficult thing no? to be parang, it's sort of intangible and you're working for something you'll never see. And that's, that's, that's something I think a lot of environmentalists struggle with. And, uh, parang, you're doing all of this work, exerting all of this effort, and and you probably won't see the results of your work. Yeah. And um, I mean, lastly, I think you you have um you have this new thing. It's uh, on mental health. Is this something yes. you just started? 
yes. during the the quarantine or is it something prior to this? Um, I, my nation started last year. Last year, before it was in under a different name, but we started rebranding by early this year. But mental health has always something been, has been something very close to me ever since the start. It was actually one of the big reasons of why I got into. It's all interconnected. It's one of the reasons why I got into Cora also. Um, when ar- around the time that the viral Quentin Jollibee um, videos hit, I was also going through very heavy things and. That's something that you kind of also see in the stories. Like it's very heavy, and and I, for me to say that I I have had some hand in that and personally related to that is the same is is the same way. And I went through um, very heavy depression. And I'm not saying that it's all over now. It's it's done. It's still something that still sort of haunts me or, or challenged me to this day. And with the the success of that the opposite end of that was like me constantly thinking that i was not worthy of the success that i was getting and i felt like so you had the imposter syndrome i had that and it's funny because like we started off we started off this podcast talking about how i was an introvert and that's related to this i felt mm-hmm. like i somehow what I know myself to be and what I know myself as, as an, in, as, an, um, as an introvert that, you know, doesn't really do much or, you know, doesn't have all these successes, is not this, out, um, this very outgoing person, is not connecting with what other people are thinking of me. And therefore, I feel like, to some extent, those successes aren't mine. And I feel like one day I'm just going to get found out that those are, I did not do that. I and these things are just because I am covering myself up to be someone that I'm not. And, and that kind of thinking just this was very toxic and made me feel like I wasn't worthy of anything. And so I kind of lost my sense of purpose um, uh-huh. somewhere down that road. And I, it, it would come to a point that I really wouldn't want to get up despite my career being being great and all. I felt like yeah, you were top of your game. Right. I, I would like to see, I would like to hope that I would still reach something higher. But um, at that time, thinking that I was, I was already, you know, at the peak, at, at the peak of a career that like, a lot of marketers would want to attain to. And I was there in bed, not wanting to get up because I felt like, you know, I was a failure to myself for some reason. And I... It was debilitating and I couldn't get up. I couldn't work. I felt like I was going to be a harm to myself and to others. So I went to seek uh, help of a psychologist. And that's helped me a lot in, in, in centering myself, finding purpose, finding something to do, defining myself more than just my career. Because I always felt like I was just, at the time before, I was just globe. I was just... Um, the beauty queen I was just this or that I was just always like putting myself in the box and my psychologist said that that you can have to do more than just that you can have to constantly like look for new places to to or new things to define yourself as so that you're when this is gone when for example you feel like you're you're the the career or in, in 
in this brand or in this in this company is not working out for you, it doesn't bring you down as a whole person. So I started looking for okay, new things to do. I went diving, I went I I started being very active in these NGOs and I found great purpose in in helping others and seeing the world more than just who I was, uh, more than what I used to see it to be. And from there, I also learned that the health system, healthcare system generally was not fit for those suffering with mental health conditions. I Especially in the Philippines, no? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's not talked about, essentially. It's not, because of the stigma. And mm. um, I was talking to the HR department about uh, the coverage of my health card. And I was asking about, okay, um, I got diagnosed with clinical depression. And I have this slew of medicines that I have to take every single day that amounted to tens and thousands of pesos. And of course, I also had to go through therapy. And all of these, apparently, were not... Not covered, covered. by the healthcare. Exactly. Okay. Because apparently, they assume that as similar to getting cosmetics. Because when, when you get cosmetic surgery, you are, you are technically um, uh, asked to take these medicines to help you heal. But that's something that was on you. You mm-hmm. chose to get that surgery. So that's your, under your payment. Like you have to pay for all those medicines. <clears throat> and they thought the same way with mental health. As if it was okay. your fault. As if huh. like, it was your choice. This, this is your choice to be sad. Like, people can choose not to be sad. And the sad part about it was mm-hmm. when I shared this, this with, with, with the team or with, with people, they mistook it as something that made me less of a person. And when the HR department started saying, you know, you have to give us a copy of, of the, your, your certification to prove that you're, you're, you are indeed sick, even though, even uh-huh. though they weren't going to pay for the bills. They just wanted that copy. My, psychiat- my psychologist said that, no, you shouldn't give them that copy because knowing the, the setup of how it is here in the Philippines, they're going to use that paper against you. That paper that's right. If ever going- they have a, a labor case, that's something that they could use exactly. against you. And like, that's going to, not just with labor cases, if they choose to, okay, they're going to look for people who are go- they're going to promote in the next year. But what? You have to prove, Muna, that you're better, you're well? Mm-hmm. Because you have That's this paper right. that says that you're not well? I mean, That's definitely something I didn't know no? about yeah. like HR and, and how the setup is in the Philippines. Oh, it's, 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 and it's not something that I'm just sharing about like one company because I've talked about this with several other people who were also going through the same thing. And they said, like, no, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. There's really... There's really no um, way that, that these companies could think anything of, of mental health as anything more than just a liability to them. And that was, I wanted to prove them wrong because I was at the top of my game. It just so happened that I had all these, I wasn't feeling um, mentally well. And it um, showed in my, in, in, in my ability to work, in my motivation. And I felt like if I had more support and if I had more if I if if people and if the company understood my case more, 
uh, I would have been even better. I, of course, um, had to pay for everything on my own. But from there, I learned that I had to do something about it. This was a glaring thing that we had to fix. So when uh-huh. I got approached to, um, I, I actually am working with these two amazing, amazing, um, I, they're not kids, they're, but they're definitely younger than me, two amazing okay. individuals. Um, they're graduates of, psycho- of psychology and they told me that they wanted to, to improve the state of mental health and they wanted to provide um, healthcare for, for employees and for companies in general. We started that, working that on that. That included mental health, essentially. Yeah, it, well, it is about mental health. And, oh, okay, and right. um, we started working on it in, in, almost immediately. We started pitching to various companies about um, the importance of mental health, how it affects employees' well-being, their productivity. And then um, for employees, giving them that access to psychologists. Because even for me, uh, I, it took me a while to get the psychologist that, I, that was fit for me and to get even an access to psychologists. And it was very expensive. So why not get the psychologist consultations as a benefit from being mm-hmm. at work? So that's kind of where it started. And um, it's grown so much in a year. We sure, have, especially now in this pandemic, it's a need. Especially right? now. It's, How it's many a bitter, people it's a, need this at this point? Yeah, it's a bittersweet, it's a bittersweet um, thing na parang, you know, that people are, are in need of this now. It's, it's sad to think that there are people that, that um, are struggling. It's really sad. But also at the same time, I'm glad that I'm, we're here to help. And so where we started the making waves by providing free consultations for everyone during the start of the pandemic, for those working from home, just to help them transition. And then we started getting all these amazing clients and partners to provide webinars, uh, talks, and, and psychologist sessions. But on top of that, also, we, we also have 24-7 um, chat assistance from our, our page where anybody can talk to the people. Oh, wow. You have a, your own call center for this already. We, we have a group. Yes, we do have a, a, an amazing, amazing uh, group that, that is on call. We have shifts. We, we take care of everything. And it's the, it doesn't just end there. We also do these things called company culture drives. That's really um, aiming to fix the system from within. So when we're talking to the HR about, of course, everything's confidential, but we do talk to them about the the underlying issues of the very general issues of their employees. So for example, the um, most of the employees that, that have talked to us are generally tagged as um, high stress or high depression. Then we start talking to them about policies that they can do at work so that doesn't so that it doesn't have to end there it doesn't have to end with the with this with the consultation they have to feel that company the company themselves are doing is doing something to help ease the anxiety or the the stress that they're feeling that's really incredible i find this this is such a timely thing that is really needed now no i mean myself 
during this whole pandemic is parang high low low high low <laughs> and and it's it's not easy to have somebody to talk to and especially in the Philippines where you know there's a stigma around this no and and especially in our culture where sa family parang it's not something that you talk about, you know. No. You're you're just crazy or you're, oh, depressed <laughs> ka lang ng konti, oh, you know. Mag, oh, oh. Mag-exercise ka lang or whatever, di ba? Parang ganun lang yung sasabihin sa'yo. And, and And this is, especially now, in this pandemic, people are losing jobs, uh, businesses are going broke, and and all of these different things that are happening, like people are getting sick. And this is definitely something that is needed, no? Uh, in this time. And, I mean, kudos to you guys that you started this. Um, where can people find you? Uh, fi- find this company online, or like, does it have a Facebook page, yeah. social media? So the website is www.themindnation.com. No, no dashes, no space. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash/themindnation. And also mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter, same handle at the Mind Nation. We constantly post um, updates there, tips about mental health. Right now, we actually have a promo for all em- retrenched employees to get free psychologist consultations as well. Because oh, really? Wow, that's over two that's million in- Filipinos have lost their jobs in the midst of the pandemic and growing. I'm sure it's more than that. I know. I know. Especially now. <laughs> well, you know, ABS-CBN because of our government. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we do what we can. So we are uh, online on those on those websites. And every month we also have these summits. We call it a summit, but it's more like a, a monthly talk show where we talk about exciting and and important topics that surround mental health wow that's really that's really great no um i think we've we've talked for about more than an hour now did you ever reach that 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 point na telebab was it was that still a thing in your generation you know oh, telebab oh, no, did a... people just text <laughs> oh gosh no, no 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 i've had i've had i do love getting into it into phone calls and it's it's so much sometimes so much better because it's faster and i don't like looking at the screen too much yeah definitely but i've done three four hours just talking so wow okay okay (laughs) so we're we're at the right place um and one last question i mean you've you've done so many different things you're you know you're only 28 you've done so many different things um what's the biggest sort of lesson that you can you can give to yourself, I mean, or give to other people from all of these different experiences you've had. Right. Um, I feel like there's so much to take away. But if there's anything that's that's underlying with with what I've shared so far and with the lessons that I've learned is that you find that like everything has a reason. And whether that's rejection, whether that's that's rejection or, or success. Um, it's all interconnected. And the, the most important thing for you to, your responsibility as a human being, as a person, is to constantly improve and constantly try to look for, find new ways to make things better, not just for yourself, but for the people and, and 
every living living thing generally around you um, to find new ways to to make things better. We know there's already so much negativity. It mm-hmm. no matter what your skill is, where you're coming from, what whether you come from a place of privilege or not. More so when you're when you're in a place of privilege, there's a great responsibility for you to do something about if you're not happy where you are now. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you very much for giving me this time tonight um, to talk about yourself, your life, and and the work that you've done. A very important work, I believe. Um, not just with Jollibee, you inspire people with with Planet Cora, you're cleaning up the environment. And of course, uh, with the mental health work that you're doing, especially now in this pandemic, such important um, work that needs to be really shared with a lot of people. So thank you uh, for giving me that time. Of course, of course. There's, there's, def- there's so much more. There's so much more that I'm, I'm sure, also working I'm sure. on. <laughs> so I, I hope... I'm sure we, we'll need to do a part two. We will do a point. part two. We will do a part two. There's so many things that I will share with you. And that was Catrino. So not just any pretty face. So... That was such an interesting conversation, especially um, for me. You know, I'm, I have no idea about the world of beauty pageants. Uh, I'm not very well versed in the whole marketing world of Jollibee, although I am a great admirer of the work that they have done. So getting this insight into that world and the creative process that goes into putting everything together and getting those ideas from those brains to the paper uh, was very insightful for me and then of course uh, we talk about mental health which is really something that's really important in this time and I think Kat and her group uh, really is doing an amazing job bringing this to the forefront that mental health matters you know mental health for young professionals, for Filipinos, for everyone who's losing their jobs now. It's something that we need to talk about openly and we need to be open to sharing this with our families, our colleagues, our co-workers without shame and having that support system that will create uh, a safe space for everyone who goes into these difficult times thank you for listening to the wildcast and if you haven't yet please subscribe on spotify or apple podcasts or stitcher anchor we're we're practically every platform now and i'm really grateful for everyone who has been listening and sharing our podcast for the last 20 episodes and since i've decided that I'm going to continue with this even post-corona, if I'm still here. Um, I'm really grateful if you share it with your friends, share it with your network. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. On episode 21 of The Wildcast next Wednesday, we have the amazing cinematographer Neil Daza. So he has been making movies for the last... 20, 30 years now actually 
he's made some of the most iconic movies in the Philippines, including Decada Setenta and a few others. He's one of the best, if not the best, cinematographer in the country in terms of movie making. In fact, I saw somewhere that Chris Aquino has him as the favorite cinematographer for any of her work. Um, this is something I probably joke him about. And looking forward to having you all listen to Neil next week on the Wildcast.